The following are several Confucian sayings that have been quoted by Xi over the last decade. What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. He exercises government by means of his virtue. Is it not delightful to have friends coming from distant quarters? The superior man is affable, but not adulatory. Learning without thought is labor lost. Thought without learning is perilous. They who know the truth are not equal to those who love it, and they who love it are not equal to those who delight in it. When I walk along with two others, they may serve me as my teachers. The mechanic who wishes to do his work well must first sharpen his tools. The official, having discharged all his duties, should devote his leisure to learning. The student, having completed his learning, should apply himself to be an official. This is plausibly live. In the recent past, we have seen statues being removed from their places where they have stood in one case in 147 years to apparently clean up history. Now, the reason that we're given for these statues being removed is, of course, that they represent something that we no longer want to have represented. And because of that, well, the theory goes that if we just take down the statues, guess everything will be rainbows and unicorns from that point forward. In New York last week, a statue of Thomas Jefferson was removed from New York City. The writer of the Declaration of Independence, who, by the way, held very strong anti-slavery sentiments, at one point accused the King of England, King George III, of essentially inflicting slavery and all of its moral problems on the on the colonies, but did not have any moral strength to act on those sentiments. There's a great scene in the HBO series John Adams where Franklin, Adams, and Jefferson are sitting around reading the draft and they read that portion. And Jefferson's response is, look, I, I don't know what to do about it. I, I don't know how to, to get rid of it. Nobody does. A council member by the name of Adrian Adams for New York City, who is the co-chair of the Black, Latina, and Asian Caucus, said in a presentation last month, quote, Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner who owned over 600 human beings. Makes me deeply uncomfortable knowing that we sit in the presence of a statue that pays homage to a slave owner who fundamentally believed that people that looked like me were inherently inferior, lacked intelligence, and were not worthy of a freedom or a right. Another council member by the name of Inez Barron told the commission that the statue of Jefferson was inappropriate in a room where New Yorkers gathered to govern. In 2020, summer of 2020, a statue of John C. Calhoun was removed from Charleston, South Carolina, Charleston and Jefferson both having been vice presidents of the United States. And again, John C. Calhoun was removed because he 
was a firebrand of secession, a strong states-rats guy, and of course he was, in fact, very pro-slavery. We also saw last week that a statue of Jackie Robinson, the, the greatest Dodger ever to play the game, and the first African-American Major League Baseball player, at least in modern times, was removed as well. What do all three of those have in common? Well, they were taken down. They were representative of an idea or a, an event or a series of events in history that were taken away, ostensibly because, well, in the case of Jefferson and Calhoun, they were taken away because they were uh, they, their ideas are no longer acceptable to us. Thomas Jefferson's statue, removed from the city hall in New York City, was taken in a wooden box and placed on a, quote, long-term loan to the New York Historical Society, which has no clue what it's going to do with it. Calhoun's statue was removed from Charleston, and the idea was they were going to send it to one of the museums there, but oddly enough, none of the museums, quote, wanted anything to do with it, unquote. The city spokeswoman at one point said, quote, the city looks forward to finding a home for the statue of John C. Calhoun in the near future. Well, four years later, that hasn't happened. And they really don't even want to talk about where the Calhoun statue is right now. As for the removal of the Jackie Robinson statue, it was made of bronze and it was sawed off just above his feet. Probably taken, stolen for the, for the metal. Which, of course, bespokes of a different problem that we have. Bespeaks of a different problem. I heard a joke last night about the word bespoke and I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of stuck on that word. I don't even know what it actually means. Anyway, the, the removal of the statue speaks of a different problem that we don't want to address either. Which brings me, of course, to the famed Santiana quote. And this is where conservatives tend to go when it comes to the statue removal stuff. One, we, we, we say this quote, those who do not learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. I hate that because it's not the actual quote. The actual quote is, quote, the one who does not remember history is bound to live through it again. I get it. The, 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 those who do not learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. That's the cultural zeitgeist. So for the moment, I guess, in the, in the land of language shift, I guess we'll use it because it, it's what most people understand this thing to be, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at with this whole thing. The problem is, from a conservative standpoint, I guess, that's our argument. If you don't learn from the history, you're, you're doomed to repeat it. And I would suggest that I think that most of the people on the side that is in favor of removing these statues probably agree with that. They probably think the same way. But here's the problem with that. That actually doesn't fit. You see, because we're told that the reason these statues have to be removed is so that we can, quote-unquote, clean up history, 
so that we can get history right-ish, which is, of course, not possible, because all of history is objective, not, uh, not su- it's, it's subjective, not objective. All history is editorial. All history has sides that are not, that it, we don't know. And so when we remove these things to clean up history, what are we actually doing? Might we be in a position where if we say we need to clean up our history and so we're pulling down statues that represent things that we don't like, aren't we sort of living in, in, in that, that, that idea that if we erase the past, we're not learning from it because it's not there to learn from anymore? And that means we are actually saying that the people who are pulling down these statues, in fact, want to repeat history? Dot, 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 question mark. All this came to my thoughts this week because I was sitting in class and we were studying Eastern history, I guess. Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Taoism. Uh, Taoism, Taoism, same thing, and Confucianism, with with China and India, which is fascinating to me, because I knew nothing about it. It was a it was an unusual occurrence for me when it came to came to the ideas of history, because I literally had no clue what we were talking about. I I felt like I was a first year history student, because I was. But we came to the the whole discussion of China, and there was a fascinating discussion about the fact that Premier Jing, imperious leader Xi, is pushing for a more traditional Chinese cultural education now. He is basing this push for Chinese cultural education, traditional cultural education, i.e. Chinese history, because Well, without getting too deep into it, Confucianism is highly authoritarian. I don't know if you knew that or not. Confucianism is often characterized as a system of social and ethical philosophy rather than a religion. In fact, Confucianism is built on an ancient religious foundation to establish social values, institutions, and transcendent ideals of traditional Chinese society. It is very authoritarian. It is very top-down. In fact, in Confucianism, there are five basic relationships. These are in no particular order, uh, because only one of them truly matters. But you are expected as, a, as, a, as an adherent to Confucius philosophy, Confucian philosophy, to adhere to these ideals and these relationships. So a husband is superior to his wife. His wife must be uh, beneath the husband. Same with a father and a son, an older brother and a younger brother, a ruler to the rule. That's the only one that really matters. The only one that has any egalitarian ideal to it at all is friend to friend. But even in that, depending on what you're doing with it, there you go. It was once said that a country would be well governed when all the parties perform their parts aright in these relationships. And that is the, the basic idea of Confucianism. That's the basic idea of what we're trying to accomplish here in Confucius idealism. 
And of course, G is pushing this because Confucianism commands obedience because it represents the core values of China reaching back thousands of years. It's a completely different view, traditional view, of the idea of rule of law. When we say rule of law, we don't mean what a Confucius, Confucianist says when they say rule of law. They're talking about those five basic relationships. We're talking about equality. They're talking about non-equality. They're talking about knowing your place in a social structure that goes back again 5,000 years. There was a fascinating article that we ended up reading uh, as part of this class. It's from 2014, which I realize is, you know, 10 years ago, but it doesn't change the basic ideas here. And it talks about this, this move by Xi to restore these Confucius idealism. They also talk about the Streisand effect because, uh, remember, the Xi was a young man during the Cultural Revolution when Mao tried to destroy uh, Confucius and his ideas, but it didn't work because basically it just drew Xi's attention to them. Anyway, that's a complete aside. The restoration of tradition has been encouraged by the party, the Chinese Communist Party, eager to inoculate its citizens against Western liberal ideas, which are deemed a decadent recipe for chaos. If you look around our country today and the Western liberal democracies, do you see chaos? The Ministry of Education has authorized guidelines to strengthen China's, quote, outstanding traditional culture, unquote, and has said that traditional values are part of the, quote, socialist core values, unquote. In other words, what Xi is doing is appealing to his nation's history, at least the approved version of it anyway, to put himself in a position where those values and those relationships and those ideals become the the binding social guidance for the entire nation. And by creating in those equivalent of, of social values with the party's social values, he's linking those two together. Now, contrast that to what we're doing with our history corporately, not you specifically, but as a nation, what are we doing to our history and what is it doing to those core values? If our core values, as expressed in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, were the blessings of liberty, and yet we're tearing down all the lessons, positive and negative, how will we ever learn those lessons? And if Santayana is correct, we're doomed to relive it, the, the whole situation that got us there. Xi mocks the ideas, though he mocks the Western ideas, which are cre clearly creating chaos. But you have to wonder if simultaneously he's not cheering them on, because he knows that that's creating chaos, and he knows that it's making us corporately weaker. In other words... We have failed to learn from the past because we keep destroying it. We need to know that past in order to know who and what we are and what we're trying to accomplish. 
I don't believe for one minute that Thomas Jefferson didn't understand that in the future slavery would go away. In fact, he wanted it to. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about how he lacked moral strength to do so. Same with George Washington. And George Washington admitted it. He wrote it down in his book. I don't know what to do. And if we never learn from that because we tear that down while our erstwhile opponents in the world are learning their history and using it as a social construct to strengthen their society, one wonders, are we just repeating the problems, repeating the history, and repeating the problems again? that repeating that history always seems to cause. We tear it down. The people who oppose us are building theirs up. Should we see that as a warning or not?